the best way, the most effective way that we're going to get you to buy the key case is for you to feel valued as a customer. We talk about how many wallets we've sold, and then we talk about like how many people there are and how they're very new. We're, we're trying to maximize the value within like 60 days of purchase. We're building these things for a reason that can like provide value to them. This is The Retention Road, a podcast that uncovers actionable retention strategies for your D2C brand. Deb interviews the top in-house retention marketers to help you increase repeat purchase rate, drive customer loyalty, and build community. Enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the Retention Road podcast. Today I have Connor McDonald from The Ridge, which is your favorite wallet brand. Connor, how's it going? It's going well. Thank you for having me. Pleasure, a pleasure. I, I've been following the Ridge's journey like literally all over social media. So I follow you on Instagram, Twitter, everywhere else as well. TikTok is banned in India, so I can't do that, unfortunately. Everywhere else. Uh, one of my one of my like favorite brands. Love it. Big fan. Thank you. Uh, thank you for being on the show. <laughs> awesome. Appreciate it. Amazing. Amazing. So, Connor, tell me a little bit about yourself and as well as the rate. What's working? What's what's happening? What's new? Cool. Yeah. So, well, I'll give you a quick rundown, like the, the backstory here. Ridge was, was started in 2013. It was a father-son team. Daniel was graduating. He's the son of the two, was graduating college and had been very early to like kickstart the whole Kickstarter community. He'd launched a couple uh, watches and sunglasses brands on Kickstarter. And just before he graduated, decided to launch this wallet product. So that was 10 years ago. We're celebrating our 10 year anniversary in six weeks or so. And the first five years of the business were super organic growth. The company got to, to six or $7 million in revenue by 2016. Just had a lot of organic traction. It's a, it, it, it's a product that was just um, ideal for its time. And I came on five years ago along with a couple other people when they began to prioritize growth. So my experience has really been over the last like five and a half years or so, taking the business from six to last year we did $100 million. Wow. And that's a, that's a bit of the background. I'm the CMO. So, so I manage, you know, all of our, all of our performance marketing channels uh, across paid social and influencer, email, SMS, retention, the whole web experience, making sure that some of those like branding and content and kind of acquisition strategies get a, applied across Amazon and wholesale and things like that. I was going international. So we have a whole like international department that we focus on. So the business has grown quite complex over the last five and a half years or so. And I'm kind of sitting on top of uh, at least a, a significant portion of it. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, I know about Ridge. It's a nine figure brand. Everyone talks about it. I love Sean's newsletter. I, I love Sean's goofy, uh, you know, means as well. Like he's, he's so, so much fun to follow. Right. Um, yeah. And, sounds awesome. uh, yeah. He, he's, he definitely is. And I have learned a ton about acquisition from the Ridge, but I know that you cannot get $200 million without retention. Right. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I would love to start off with your, with a very simple and very standard question, which is what's the overarching retention strategy at the Ridge? And can you describe it? Yeah, I can describe it, but I'll, I'll, I'll take a step back quickly because I think retention plays a really, a relatively unique role in, in the Ridge's growth. If anything, it's been a limiting factor to some degree, like our, our retention. So we, we sell largely minimalist metal wallets. They're guaranteed for life. Most men don't need to own more than one. So, so naturally the business has a, a relatively low repurchase rate. So really 
most of our growth has been fueled by new customer acquisition. We have, yeah, most of our growth has been fueled by new acquisition. So that's where our focus has been for a long time. Like when, when I think about our marketing strategy, it's a lot about marketing diversification. The other things that I'll say quickly are having a highly differentiated product that is really suitable for like a really large addressable market gives us the ability to scale new customer acquisition. So our strategy for a long time has been diversification going across a number of channels to reach net new audiences going deeper across all of those. So that's where like a lot of our growth has really been fueled from. Now, the next leg of growth, and I can talk a little bit about the things we've done on the retention side and how we've approached it so far. So let me, let me start there. And then I think we're kind of ushering in a new phase of Ridge where retention is going to be treated a little bit differently. The two main things are, one, we have really just tried to prioritize the customer in our post-purchase experience. We've had things like knives and pens. Uh, we came out with key organizers, like, 15 months ago, um, which have been a, a, a hit product. We had bags and phone cases for a long time before that. And I think our ability to get somebody to come back and purchase an item that is significantly different than the wallet that they like have really grown to appreciate just requires us creating a certain level of brand affinity and trust. And we try to do that through awesome customer service, really thoughtful emails. We send like plain texts from myself to like, welcome someone into the brand and just really try to make that post-purchase experience feel impactful and meaningful to the customer in order to kind of, you know, harness some of that affinity and, and, and hopefully parlay it into a bag purchase or something like that. Now that wasn't a, like I said, our growth has been fueled by new customer acquisition. So, so we made improvements there in terms of driving up repeat purchase rate in LTV, but it wasn't the, it wasn't like a defining factor for how we've grown 16x over the last, you know, six years. So I will say that that's like the biggest thing. It's like just really thoughtful c communication and really making the customer feel important. The other things I will say is just making it really easy to purchase from us. We do, we do our lifetime warranty. We do a 99 day risk-free trial. We do free shipping and free returns. Like once a customer is a customer, we really want to prioritize them. So those are all how we've approached it in the past. The two things that I, I would include in this first phase of, of our retention strategy is really product development. Like if you say, hey, we've got this great hero product in the wallet, we can acquire millions of customers through it, that, that, that the wallet can serve as a beachhead for the brand. Product development is really the largest lever we have in terms of generating additional LTV and driving up repurchase rates. And there's two, there's two points there. One, we found early on, like the best way, we launched bags and we launched phone cases and we launched a keychain, all with like reasonable success and good reception and people liked it. But again, didn't move the needle. What moved the needle more than anything was just new wallet design. So we found, you know, with this, the original, like when I joined, we probably had 16 wallets or something. We could acquire somebody and they'd purchase one of those 16 wallets. But like the rate at which they'd come back and buy one of the other 15 was relatively low. And the best thing that we could do is create unique and unique new wallet designs and material designs, tell interesting stories around those. And we would see like with certain types of wallet launches, like we did our Damascus launch in 2020, I believe, Q4 2020. It's a, our most expensive wallet. Damas uh, Damascus um, Steel, yeah. Yeah, Damascus Steel. At the time it was actually, it was like our, our current one is kind of a, it's a different sort of process. The original was like real Damascus that had been like right. folded over a number of times. It was really heavy. But that one, we saw success almost exclusively with existing customers. 
So the idea being, hey, we've acquired these people through aluminum wallets or carbon fiber wallets. And if we can continue launching new unique styles and say, oh, I'll, I'll get a new one at this point. I'll get this new cool thing. And I might be able to invest at a higher price point than I otherwise would because I know I like the design and experience. So in terms of product development, just more wallet designs and more wallet colors has been a priority. And then two, I brought it up earlier, but it's only 15 months old, is the key organizer. So really trying to understand what are the attributes and qualities of the wallet that people appreciate and how can we instill that in new products? I always think about like degrees away from, uh, from if, if we think about the wallet at the center, how many degrees away are we going? And with a phone case, you know, we're, we're not that close. It's a leather phone case. Uh, Makes sense. Yeah. It's not titanium or, or, or anything like that. The bag, even, even more degrees away from the wallet. The key organizers, really, you're carrying your wallet every day. You're carrying your keys every day. If we can take those same Just, sorts yeah. of ideas and apply it to the key organizer, then it'll be a success. And that really was, and that was like the first significant change in the business. Not only did we drive up initial order value with like kits and bundles, but we drove up repurchase rate as people came back and said, I really like the wallet. I'll get the, I'll get the, the same sort Amazing. of products for my keys. Yeah. yeah so that would I think... be, those are all the things we've really done over the last five years or so. Man, that's a hell of a strategy, first of all. That's, uh, let, let me just say that. And I think there's like 10 different things to unpack there. So let's unpack them one at a time. Um, one thing you mentioned that was very similar to what uh, Outway Socks are doing, right? If you know them, they're pretty famous on Twitter uh, and pretty amazing uh, socks. They're called Outway, Outway Socks. Those customers, okay. yeah. Yeah, so they told me that they, they release like some 10 or 12 odd designs every quarter and that would enable repeat purchase rate like anything, which is something, you know, which was a similar strategy that I could uh, hear right there. And uh, you also mentioned that you have like, of course, you have post-purchase flows. It's not, not as if you don't. It's more like you haven't really dived down into it, right? And the third point you mentioned was uh, that is that key or keychain organizer because if you're going to take a wallet you're going to take a set of keys as well when you're heading out so they they kind of mesh together right i think i think those are those are the three major points that 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 you mentioned and there are obviously other things that are there i would like to go down uh the rabbit hole on that whole you know that key pro key processor key arranger thing right so let's let's take the scenario, for instance, I purchase a wallet from Rich, right? And and you somehow through your analytics, you saw that I'm also interested in the key, right? The key uh, key ranger or key processor. So if that is the case, what would be your approach or what are you currently doing to make me go and purchase that product as well? Well, we do two things because, and I think they're, we do them, we try to be pretty deliberate about it, but like, before we really just try to upsell you on, I think that the best way to sell you on the, it's called the key case. I call the key organizer. Early, Sorry. Which is what it yeah. Does. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, but, but it's the key case. The best way, the most effective way that we're going to get you to buy the key case is for you to feel valued as a customer having bought the wallet. So like, that's why I think it's a very important step where it's like, let's be really thoughtful about the messaging uh, the, in this post-purchase, let's clearly articulate how we're treating you as a customer and really make you feel good about your wallet purchase. Let's send the plain text from someone on the team and you'll get a direct response if you respond. Let's do all of those things to make sure that when you come around and now you've received your wallet, you've opened it, you like it, you, 
you have the carbon fiber, something like that. But one of the ways that we tee it up right now is like with, with the thank you gift card. So you'll get like, we've tested a number of things, but like 30 off 75 plus. So once you get that, hey, thanks again for being a part of the company or, or, or for, for joining the community. Here's a $30 gift card that you can use off your next purchase 75 plus. We know that you've purchased something like a carbon fiber wallet, so we can tee up the carbon fiber key case or any other combination of material. That is what we found most effective, and we try to kind of sequence it in that way. Okay, uh, I I have the like I I want to know how exactly you make them feel well, make them feel good about their purchase, right? So that they can actually go and purchase the key case. So what 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 is the exact messaging you use? How many emails do you send or SMS do you send? I'm not like you know you don't have to share the complete extent of it, but some idea of it would be great. Well, so a couple of things. One, we try not to send too many messages. I think that's probably the biggest one. We just want to send the most impactful messages. So you have the typical transactional flows. So you get those when you're you're receiving your order. You try to communicate around all of that, make that a transparent process. The biggest one, my favorite, we do two things actually. We have a create your account email, which we use because one, somebody's able to create their account and it kind of helps with like processing warranties and just tying together like their their profile and the orders that they've made in the past. Uh, the second one is it's a great way to drive open rates and click through rates and really signal to Google that we are sending valuable messages and will continue getting delivered to the inbox. So we do that just in terms of prioritizing that as a communication channel. Like we we want to be able to tap into this longer term and we found that to be beneficial. Two, the second one, my favorite one is the the plain text email that comes from, uh, it comes from myself and it talks about really addressing that they've decided to try something new with us. You know, the wallet's unique. Daniel invented it 10 years ago when he designed it. So when our customers are coming in, the vast majority of them are not coming from other minimalist metal wallets. Like the majority of people are going from a wallet that they've had for five, 10, 15, 20 years and they've decided to try something new. And we really want to like thank them for that. There's a certain amount of trust involved in that. And then we also want to make call out like how kind of special that is. And I forget the exact numbers, but uh, we talk about how many wallets we've sold. And then we talk about like how many people there are and how they're very new. Like they're on the cutting edge of, of trying something new. They've taken this big risk. We appreciate that. And then ending with, if, if you ever need anything, you can reach out and those emails will get funneled in. So that is like, that's probably, in my opinion, the most impactful touch point in terms of establishing brand value. Yeah, I would say okay. that that's probably the okay. most impactful. So yeah, so, so there's that. And then we have, and then we really only begin pulling in SMS when we transition to like the LTV offer, which is what, what is, we call it, which is what when is we're trying offer? to maximize, when we're trying to, yeah, that's the, that's the, well, currently we're testing between three of them. But for a long time, it was 30 off 75 plus. And then we actually went to 40 off 120 when we had a couple higher value items that made sense. 30 off 75 was the most effective way to sell some of the uh, accessories that we have. Like the, we have some air tag attachments and the key cases. It's really easy to get to a, a $75 price point. So let's just call it that for now, the 30 off 75. We're, we're trying to maximize the value within like 60 days of purchase. Somebody's receiving the wallet. They have a great initial impression. They've gotten our you know flows and emails that kind of establish that brand value and now we think that we're in the position to try to get them to to make that second purchase so yeah we do the 30 off 75 we have the initial email that brings it up we have an sms there we have a follow-up email 
there is a certain amount of, of urgency. Uh, it's like a two week period where we'd like somebody to make that purchase. And we've just tried to refine that over time. And like I said, that, that has worked pretty well. We're not a retention driven okay. business. It's worked better as we've rolled out new products. And then I think getting into this next phase of Ridge, which even with even more product development over time. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. I, yeah. I, I think it gets yeah. more exciting. Yeah, yeah. Amazing, amazing. Uh, so switching gears a little bit, we'll come back to the strategy because I want to like know a few things uh, in, within those two weeks, what happens. Okay, so if you're comfortable sharing, what's your returning customer rate and how do you sustain that or how do you grow that like going forward? Our returning customer rate is, I won't share the exact number, but it's, of course. it's on the, it's less than 25%. And how do we, how do we sustain and grow that over time? I mean, it's a lot of the things that I just mentioned, right? Like, of course, yeah, uh, yeah. I think we can sustain it, sustain it. Yeah, I mean, sustain right. it, we won't get any worse. Like we won't- Whatever, yeah, to, okay. Uh, yeah. We can continue That's what doing I was what getting we're at. doing. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. Like, so you're continuing doing what you're, uh, what you're doing and uh, switching the gears back again, between the first purchase and second purchase, you said there's an urgency period, which within the two weeks, you need them to you know, do their second purchase, right? Between emails and SMS, how many uh, messages do you send? I, and do you remember the number? Oh, oh, in the two week period? Like between first purchase and second yeah. purchase. Oh, between first purchase and second purchase. Yeah, I don't have the number off the top of my head. Right. It ends up, if somebody signs up for the transactional email, you'll receive okay. a number of transactional yeah, emails before you even receive the product. So we can we can ignore those. If right. somebody can sign up for tracking SMS, so they can get even more text, then the product lands. Once the product lands, or just before the product lands is when we send that create your account. Just after is when we send the plain text. And then we have one more email in that flow. So that's three. And then we have currently three in this like LTV offer period where we're actually trying to drive that second purchase. So uh -huh. it's like six, it's like roughly six emails in that time. I, I might be off by one or two, but that's interesting. But yeah. And then also we have frequency caps set up in Clavio, but those people will be receiving certain campaigns in that period as well. So you could end up on on the higher end. And that's actually, that's not within 14 days. That actually takes place over like, more like 30. 30 days. Okay. Uh, but uh, you mentioned something about the urgency being two weeks, right? Like within those two weeks, you, ex you right, want right, them right. to so, do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when, okay, you get the gift card and then we want them to purchase within that 14 day period. And we've got one follow-up and then depending on engagement from there, we, we have a, a third. Got it. And I actually think we might, we could, we could be more aggressive there. We're, we're testing these sorts of things quite often, but yeah, that once we're actually trying to drive the sale, once they have the gift card that we want them to use within 14 days, we can be a, I think we can be a little bit more aggressive also depending on whether somebody's opening and engaging with some of those emails. Amazing. Okay. That, that makes a ton of sense. Okay. So I, I, you mentioned this a little bit, like with uh, the first purchase being a wallet and the second purchase being the key case because they're like so complementary. But you have a like you have a ton of products, right? Like you have apparel, you have bags, you have like rings, watches, knives, and so many things, right? And not all of them really go with the wallet, right? So, what's your and for two questions? What's your upsell strategy? after they have purchased a wallet, assuming that the wallet is the first purchase from your site. And how much do these other products contribute to retention? So one, some of these other products, like key cases in particular, I'll just make the point, like the most success we've seen with key cases is actually attaching them to the initial order. So driving more kits, 
and, and upsells on the site before your first purchase. And that was like, that was very significant driving up AOV uh, and, and driving up like items purchased per order. So that's one. And then the other products all collectively work pretty well together. I mean, for a long time, we were selling like key cases, bottle openers, cavity trays, which are all like very wallet. They're like wallet accessories, like for holding coins or it's a, it's a bottle opener card that slides into your wallet. The keychain kind of worked at the time different than the key case. Uh, it would kind of clip onto your belt and you could just hang your, hang your keys. So we would think of those collectively as like really easy attachments that you could add on, not necessarily add on, but like just really easy to make that second purchase, much more of an impulse buy. When we were actually relying on those, we were doing 20 off 50 plus because the AOV was so much lower at the time. As we introduced the key case, we went to 30 off 75 plus. <laughs> As we've gotten things like the watches and the rings and things like that, that's when 40 off 120 plus makes more sense. Uh, we're testing very different offers at this point because rings and watches and even knives are all basically, have all basically been launched since August of last year. We've had the knives around for a while, but we did a big expansion in August that was really effective in terms of driving up purchase purchases on those. So those are all well within the last <laughs> five or six months. Yeah. So anyway, that that's, I don't know if that exactly answers your question aside from depending on what we have to offer them, our offers have changed over time and so have like the way that we've messaged around them. Amazing. Okay. So let me actually like part three to the question would be, so for instance, let's say they do not purchase the wallet as the first purchase from your site, right? What is your... Oh, uh, got it. Got it. Yes. No, no. So th this is another part. So like, let's say if the wallet is not the first purchase. So for instance, let's say they directly purchase the watch or something else. What's your, uh, what's your mm -hmm. flow after that? Like, do you pitch them the wallet after it because it's your like number one selling product or do you pitch them something completely different? I, I'm, I'm really curious. Yeah, no, it's a great question. The best answer I, I have for you, or I, at least I think this is really interesting. We rolled out the, the key case that was Q4 2021 and we've, the key case has worked really well as an attachment to wallet orders in the kits. It's worked well from retention on wallet customers. So that's been effective. It's also more than I realized it would be, has been a great new beachhead to the brand. So we've been able to acquire key case customers directly. And the way that we've built it out, like, I mean, the way it looks in Clavio is we have post-purchase flows by kind of like hero products. So at this point we have wallet, key case, ring, watch. And then we have a general one that will work if you're somebody who comes in and purchase a, purchases a pen on your first order. But for the hero product, it makes sense for us to kind of del deliberately break out some of those post-purchase messaging and tee up products in like a slightly different way. And what we actually find is that the incremental value that we can drive from a key case customer in the first 60 days is higher than wallets because the wallet is such a compelling second purchase for the most part. So we actually have slightly kind of different LTV economics across those different products because in the case of the key case, the wallet is such a higher value and kind of compelling second purchase if you've come in via the key case. It's 2023. It should be easy to work with creators by now. Yet most of us are still stuck in spreadsheets, scouring databases, and still paying for inauthentic content. That's where Bounty comes in. Bounty is a Shopify app that puts TikTok, UGC, and partnerships on autopilot for your brand. Yeah. Incentivize your customers to share videos on TikTok after they purchase. Those who get paid on a CPM basis, all content is automatically saved 
in the app where you can manage usage rights and spark codes in just a few clicks. To start automating UGC and creator marketing for your store, simply visit bounty.co to book a demo. That's bounty.co to book your demo today. Makes uh, makes a ton of sense. Yeah, that that is interesting. That makes a ton of sense. Okay, cool. So like, you know, uh, you mentioned you have, like you're looking at retention very differently uh, in 2023 and beyond, right? So can you tell me what are your top three focuses and uh, why? Yeah. So one, we've never been better positioned to drive LTV from a product perspective. So like I mentioned, just in the last six months, watches, knives, rings, we have a number of expansions on some of those categories and then new categories coming up over the next year. So we have a lot of tools at our disposal in terms of what do we want to be driving as a second purchase. And then in addition, like a, a ton of new wallet keys that we'll be rolling out. So with that being said, because the, the biggest lever for a long time was product development and still probably is, but at this point we have kind of a lot more to chew on than we did two or three years ago. So considering that's the case, uh, we're really just focusing on offer testing. <laughs> like really we're calling it no holds barred offer testing. Like we wanna be aggressive and iterate really quickly on what we see working. It will be interesting. Like one of our, one of the things that I'm the most interested in figuring out is something like the 30 off 75, which we've seen work in the past, largely works because that second order had not a particularly high distribution of order values. Some people were coming back for wallets, which at you know $100 or $120 AOV, $30 is still very significant. If you're coming in for a $75 or $95 key case, $30 is very significant. If you're thinking about buying a $300, $400 watch, $30 isn't getting you that far. So we have to be considering like a lot of different potential purchase paths and different order values, making sure the offer testing lines up with that. So that's one, which I think is really interesting. And we, yeah, anyway, we, we have a lot to do on the offer testing side. That's like, that is like the biggest thing I think that we can really nail. Then once we, once we nail the offer testing, just like making sure that we're delivering that information, it's one of the reasons we've prioritized like SMS list growth. I think we'll be rolling in direct mail for people who aren't engaging with our emails and things like that, like really sealing the, the, any holes in that funnel. So that once we find, if we have the right product and we find the right offer, it's really just about making sure that that message gets delivered. So I'd say those are one and the same to a certain degree, very tactical in my mind and like quantifiable, like we can measure it and then apply that across different places. The second one, which I'm super excited about where we're really focused, I think this next leg of growth for Ridge is going to be more brand and content driven and storytelling driven. So really identifying like the different personas of the brand and speaking to those people in a way that makes purchasing anything from us more compelling and making sure that they know that we're like, we're, we're building these things for a reason that can like provide value to them. So that's the, that's the biggest one, which we've done. I mean, everybody does. It's hard to, you can't really avoid like having some brand value there, like I've mentioned in the past, but I think we're going to do it in a more deliberate way over the next, you know, year, 18, 24 months which is going to be potentially the most impactful. Uh, and one thing I really like to say is like, one thing that we're working on building now is this idea of like everyday carry as a movement. That's really where Ridge got its initial traction. The people who really care and are interested in, in carrying the best items every day. We purchased everydaycarry.com, which is a whole media site and like online community of people that are just really interested in this. There's a very active subreddit, very active everyday carry community. 
which is where Ridge got a lot of its initial like organic traction. And I think we have a really interesting opportunity to kind of onboard people. The vast majority of customers that we're acquiring are not everyday carry enthusiasts. Like we're, we're way more mass market than that. But we have this really interesting ability to kind of onboard somebody into this way of thinking and valuing the things that they carry every day. And then I, I, it makes total sense because that's, that's really who we're building for. At the end of the day, we're trying to build high quality products that you can carry with you every day and kind of making all those, closing that loop and making that really clear and thinking about it as, as onboarding into like a passion or an interest or like a way of thinking, I think is incredibly valuable and a, a, a super high ceiling for us to kind of better understand. Amazing. Yeah. I was just going to ask you about that purchase, right? And how uh, that thing, that whole community is actually helping with retention, because we all know if you have a like raging community, they, they increase your uh, repeat rate crazy, right? So what's your, what's your comment on that? So I think there are going to be lots of ways where Ridge will benefit from everyday carry and vice versa. Us acquiring everyday carry doesn't make the everyday carry audience like Ridge customers off the bat. And like that would be, that would be the wrong approach. Everyday carry has such integrity in the space. Bernard, the founder there, has been doing it for so long. <laughs> like earlier than anybody else, he was like on Tumblr talking about like aggregating the best flashlights and the best knives and the best multi tools. We're not going to come in and try to commercialize that audience. Like that would be bad. If anything, I think we can. We're trying to take some of the, their approaches in terms of content and community development. And I'd, I'd group that into like our brand focus moving forward. <laughs> content and community is obviously an incredibly popular focus for brands. And I really think we're just beginning to embrace it in a really meaningful way. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, one more question on the retention strategy uh, is that how, how, does CX contribute to retention? Uh, what's your program for it? Uh, yeah, please explain that. Yeah, that's a, that's a great one. I mean, currently, like the biggest focus for CX is just making it easy for customers. Like we don't want to haggle with people. We don't want to make it difficult for people. It's why we do the free shipping, free returns, 99-day risk-free trial, lifetime warranty. Like if you need new screws or elastic or or a money clip, like those things will all be replaced and we want to make working with this really easy. And I think that is one of the main ways we've really built up affinity over time is like, it's being really customer focused in that like post-purchase cycle by far and away. I think that's where we're creating the most value from a retention perspective. When it comes to CX, we don't do anything particularly, particularly intricate now in terms of like deliberately trying to upsell people or, or drive incremental revenue via CX. Maybe that's something we do over time. I don't think that's, I don't think that's our lowest hanging fruit or our largest opportunity. So yeah. So anyway, we're really just trying to be good to customers. Uh, that's kind of strategy number one. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. I, I, I love that. I, I can hear in your voice and throughout the way that you folks really, really care about your customers and uh, you just want them to be happy. That's all like, Hey, take everything it's uh, it's is this easy to work with us right so i think that vibe is very evident from bridge yeah and and yeah and we're we're lucky to be able to do that from a product perspective like the wallet being modular right so it's if if nobody's seen it it's it, it's made up of four metal plates that are kind of bounding together in elastic bands and there are screws on both sides so you can 
and then there's a money clip or cash strap. All these things can be replaced over time. So uh, if your elastic wears out, which it really hardly ever does, it's not like we deal with a lot of warranty claims, but elastic, if you lose screws, I mean, we sent, we, we started sending wallets with an extra set of screws years ago. It comes with a little screwdriver. Like the whole thing is very, is built long-term to be the last wallet you'll ever need. And just a, a huge advantage we have is like the design from the jump was, was, was built to be able to do that. That's brilliant. Yeah. I think product, if your product is great, like people will just talk about it and they will come back. I think and uh, you folks are the embodiment of that. Love that. Okay, cool. What metrics do you gauge for retention to measure retention? What are the top top metrics? Yeah. And do you measure uh, it right now the, actively? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we, we didn't start really measuring it in a, in a way that I thought made sense until more recently. And one of the things, one of the things, it was a big learning lesson last year because we launched the key case in Q4 2021. We had a number of new product launches in Q1 of last year. So we were driving a disproportionate amount of returning customer revenue than we had in the past. And it wasn't until after that point where we really, we really thought about reactivating existing customers differently than like, I don't know, we could call it retaining, or we typically talk about like a repeat purchase. Like what revenue are we extracting from customers on like a cohort basis that we can kind of predict out depending on how many customers we're acquiring? And then how much returning customer revenue are we driving by reactivating them with new product launches? Because what happened last year with Q1 was awesome. And we were like, oh, great. Like we've launched these new products. We're driving higher returning customer revenue. But really a significant portion of it was reactivating customers, which doesn't happen on an ongoing basis if you're not launching new products continuously. So that's the biggest one for us. So we're looking at repurchase rates on a 30-day and 60-day basis and really trying to optimize those for that like that like cohort driven returning customer revenue. And then when we think about reactivating customers, reactivating customers is really just a matter of keeping people engaged so that when you launch a new product or a new SKU or whatever else, that they're opening your emails and they're receiving your text. And if you have a good product, then they will buy it and they'll be reactivated at that point. So reactivation is really a combination of high quality campaigns, whether it's offers or messaging, new product launches and those being relevant to the right customers. And then along the way, making sure that your communications are set up so that people aren't churning out, that you're trying to retain them on a, just a engagement basis over time uh, so that you can really capitalize on, on the campaign and product launches. So we're thinking about it in, the, in those two ways, repurchase rates, 30, 60, 90 day, and then really just like engagement rates on like a rolling basis so that we can make the most of our, our campaign and product launches. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think the second metric is quite important. A lot of brands don't do that. That's, uh, that's amazing. What mistakes do you see DDC brands make in retention constantly? And uh, how do you fix that? Can be one, can be 20. Of course, we don't have time, time for 20, but <laughs> what's the one mistake you see? I saw one recently. I won't name them. They're not on Twitter. So I don't know. They're at least no not worries. in that sphere. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's a brand that we, I really look up to from like a content and, and messaging standpoint for the most part, like fantastic site, great product. And I purchased from them and they had no post-purchase flow. Like there was no onboarding for the brand. I basically bought day one and day two, I was receiving like campaign, campaigns of like new product launches. And I'm like, this is such a missed opportunity for such a storytelling driven brand to not have any sort of onboarding into like 
why you do the things that you do and what is the sort of messaging that you'll be hearing from us over time was <laughs> a huge i was i was blown away that they didn't have more kind of nuanced messaging so that was one um two is people sending too many emails and not understanding like engagement rates and like really really managing those you know there's actually a couple things in here because like i brought up earlier just our focus on deliverability like we want our post purchase flow to get high open rates high click-through rates we want google or or whatever email client to see that we're, we're like we're sending emails and messages that are being engaged with and we deserve to continue landing in inboxes that's such a big one and people mess that up and then they just end up in promotions and then your ability to communicate with your customers over time or just anybody on your list is significantly harder. So that's just that, like whether it's too many emails or not, not formatting them correctly. Oh, that's why we talk about plain text or, or whatever else, like just thinking about deliverability and optimizing for that, at least to the degree that you can is a big one. And then the last one I'll bring up, we, we, do, a, uh, we do a weekly newsletter that's pure content driven. Uh, it doesn't talk about our products. It doesn't bring up sales, nothing like that. We have people, we ha kind of have engagement set up so that they're opting into it. It's called The Switch. It has its own the branding. Switch, yes. The from yeah. name is different. Yeah. And we've got like, you know, we have over 100,000 people on that list. And we get wow. awesome open rates every week. <laughs> and and that's, that's just great. And we have an ability to stay top, top of mind with a certain type of customer who wants to open and read that sort of content. And we could just do that on an ongoing basis. We've been doing that for, I don't know, over two years now. So there's another one where it's just like brands being able to take a step back and say, hey, like we, we don't need to be trying to drive sales every single time with not that much of an investment in, in time or effort. We can put together a high quality content driven newsletter. Ours is just like an aggregate of product news. Um, so we talk about cars and watches and all sorts of stuff. And yeah, that, that's been super helpful for us. And I, I think it's something that more brands can do. Yeah, I, I love the switch. I mean, the first, uh, I think I've been a subscriber for a while and uh, it's 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 like barely about the brand. And also the name sounds very like, it's. It, I think it was intentional. Like, hey, the switch means you, it's now time to switch your wallet or something like that. That's what I, that's what I, it came to my mind. But the, but the content was yeah that's amazing. funny yeah yeah well one of the i think i think this was from a kickstarter but it was like hashtag make the switch to uh ah, from okay. your old wallet to your new wallet so that right. is that is the origin i think the switch is just that we we talk about like if you go on like the switch landing page on the site it it, it talks about there there being a, a distinct before and after like any big change so it's like it's kind of got, it's anchored in this like old wallet to new wallet switch, but we've really tried to generalize it in that like switches are these really like interesting points in time where you get access to new information. There was a before and after and there was, there was a switch in that and trying to tee that up to like why we talk about the content that we do while also, you know, it having that callback to the brand. So that's, that's how we landed on the name. We've been, we've been wanting to kind of do some messaging refreshes and kind of a rebrand on that because I think that there's a lot of opportunity yeah. to build out just a, just a content driven part of our our uh you know lead and customer engagement i i agree i think you're one of the content heavy content seo heavy uh brands out there as well like you know your blog is pretty active you write pretty in-depth articles i was just reading this uh you know uh this minimalist travel guide packing list and because i'm gonna travel very soon and i needed like okay what can I put in my backpack? And that, that was a pretty interesting list. 
and I'm like, okay, cool. This is yeah. I mean, these guys, yeah. Yeah, we do. I would say, I mean, we do like written content, like not, nah, we don't really have much of a focus on it. We, we have a, we do some stuff for SEO. So like we try to extract value there. The main thing that we do for, from a content and, and like engagement perspective is the switch. And it's just aggregating the articles. If anything, I think one thing we didn't, we didn't talk about, and I have to jump in a second, but like the role that social can play in retention, I think our, you know, a couple hundred thousand followers on Instagram over index in, in people who have purchased from us. So when I think about like, well, where are we going to invest more time developing content? It's not really going to be written stuff. I think it'll be like short form social video that's like educational and can be introductions to some of the new products and really just kind of re-articulate like what the mission of the company is and what our values are and things like that. So that is anyway, yeah, I think we do written content fine, but we have a lot of, uh, a lot of room to grow in terms of like owned content creation. Absolutely. I, I love that. And uh, I love your social channels. Like I said, I follow you everywhere. So uh, totally, totally looking forward to that. All right. Yeah, I think we are at the end. But before you go, where can people find you? And what questions do you expect them to ask you? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm on Twitter. That's the best place. You can also email me, email me at Connor at Ridge.com. Either of those are fine. Questions to ask me? You know, I think we really, I like retention. I'd like to jam on retention ideas. I think I've got more to learn than teach when it comes to retention. <laughs> I think I, we're a bit more experienced on the acquisition side. So if people want to talk about customer acquisition or any of that, or, or go deeper on any of the retention stuff I talked about today, open to all of that. All would be good questions. Amazing. Amazing. Right. Uh, I'll definitely leave that in the show notes. And I'm, I hope more people reach out to you and talk retention because this is what the podcast is about. Connor, thanks a lot for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. Lots, lots to unpack. Cannot be done in one episode, but thanks. Thanks a ton on that content. Of course. Awesome. Thank you again. Appreciate it. It's 2023. It should be easy to work with creators by now, isn't it? Yet most of us are still stuck in spreadsheets, covering databases and paying for inauthentic content from creators who don't really care about your products. Do they? That's where Bounty comes in. Bounty is a Shopify app that puts TikTok, UGC, and partnerships on autopilot for your store. Bounty works by incentivizing your customers to share videos on TikTok after they purchase. Users get paid on a CPM basis and all content is automatically saved in the app where you can manage usage rights and spark codes in just a few clicks. Bounty also supports gifting with automated auto creation and with invite flows and links it's easy to leverage Bounty's incentive structure for any creator you want to work with. When you're ready to start automating UGC and creator marketing for your store, just visit Bounty.co for a demo. Once again, that's Bounty.co to book your demo. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Retention Road. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on YouTube or leave us a rating review on Apple and Spotify. Thanks again to our sponsor, Bounty, for supporting the show.